You're listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church, a relevant biblical community. For more information, visit houstonsfirst.org. We are starting our final series in the book of Romans. If you got your Bible, turn to Romans 16, Sienna, Cypress, downtown, digital family as well, jump in. And we've got some listening guides for you to be able to take some notes. It's a three-part series called Remembered for Good. So Remembered for Good, meaning legacy. Remembered for good, meaning what they did. And we're going to talk about today, we're going to look at this passage that Paul gives us a lot of people. We're going to talk about men today, but ladies, you're going to be able to apply these things as well. It's going to be fine. Don't worry. Everybody's included. And then we're going to talk about ladies next week on Mother's Day. And then we're going to talk about wrapping up the whole book together, that we would be remembered for good. Now, Paul's going to hit a lot of things in this passage of scripture. There's going to be 36 people named in this passage. Eight of them are going to be people with Paul. The rest were in Rome. He identifies 27 men, eight women, plus two by their relationship to somebody else. In addition to, he refers to at least two households, three house churches, some other unnamed men, and two other women. It's very diverse. We're going to see slaves. We're going to see freedmen. We're going to see men. We're going to see women, Jews, Gentiles, the well-to-do, the well-thought-of. It is a diverse list because it includes all of us in the body of Christ that God wants to use us for the furtherance of His gospel and His good so that we would have a legacy. We'd be remembered for good and remembered for the good that we did. So I try to think of what would be a good illustration to start this out would be something that would say everybody is included in this sort of thing and I started thinking about sports and guys and it's baseball season and we know who the world champions are right now in the baseball season and so that's really good and so I thought about it I thought you know what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna see if I can borrow some World Series rings from some people I know that have these and they're like, sure. And then I was like nervous. They're like, don't be nervous. I was like, I don't want to be the pastor that lost the World Series ring though. I don't want that. So we kind of are the church of the retired Astro is what we are. Um, if you went back to 2005, out of nine starting players, uh, we had five from our church on the 2005 Astros. Morgan Innsberg, Adam Everett, Willie Tavares, Lance Berkman, and Andy Pettit, all on the 2005 Astros. Well, uh, Willie Tavares, Andy Pettit, and Lance Berkman all still are here at our church. Morgan and Andy have moved, uh, Morgan and Adam have moved to a different place. So I asked Willie Tavares, Andy Pettit, and Lance Berkman, if I could borrow their World Series rings, and they said yes. So here's what we have here. This is, and somebody in the first service was like, are those the real ones? These are the real ones right here, okay? So this is Willie Tavares' 2005 Astro ring from when we went to the World Series in 2005. And then this is his Colorado Rockies World Series ring when he went with the Colorado Rockies um, in, I'm not, what year is it? Oh, 2007 is when it was. So that's Willie's, and he's like the fastest man on earth, okay? Amazing base stealer, amazing guy as well. This is Lance Berkman's 2005 World Series ring from the Astros that we have here, which is pretty cool. And so we got Lance's there, amazing hitter. And so then this is his 2011 Cardinals ring that he got when they won the World Series for the, the Cardinals, which is great. So that's pretty amazing there. Then we've got here, this is Andy Pettit's 2005 ring from being a pitcher on the Astros. So this is Andy's ring for the 2005 Astros. And then this is his New York Yankees ring. Obviously, if you win, you get a little bit more diamonds on the thing, I think is what happens. 
So this is his 2005. This is his Yankees ring. I asked him to give me his kind of most special. And he said, they're all special, but this is 2009 because they said, you guys are too old to win the World Series and they won the World Series. So this is like Jeter, Pettit, Jorge Posada, Mariano Rivera, the core four. I mean, it is like, so this is pretty cool to be able to have this, which is amazing, amazing. And then one of the most special rings is this is the Astros ring from this World Series this year that the Astros gave me, that I got this ring. Yeah. Do you know why I got this? I was one of the first 20,000 people that showed up the day that they were giving this away. It was amazing. I walked in the door, they handed me a box and it was filled with styrofoam. And then it was this ring and I eBayed, I just went on, on online. This is worth $16 is what this is worth right here. So I appreciate me tricking you with your cheers, okay? So I, I hate to even put it next to it. I won't even put it next to it. I'll put it back over here. Not even comparable. But what's amazing about these real deal World Series rings here is I asked all these guys, and these rings are the real McCoy. Yes, they are. Not only did the players get the rings, the people that are in the front office get the rings. The coaches get a ring. There's actually a, a massage therapist that's worked for some major league teams. He's got five World Series rings by being a part of the training crew. The groundskeepers get the rings. Why? Because it's more than the players that make the team. And the players know that, that they're the ones that are out there. They're the ones that are known, but there's more people that are important than just those one player, those nine players that are out there on the field at the time. There's all sorts of people that are necessary that need to be a part of it. And so these rings go to other people as well because there's more people on the team. Well, let me tell you what, we're gonna look at the grounds crew today. We're gonna look at the unsung heroes today because I'll never pitch in a major league baseball stadium. You'll never steal a base. You'll never get a hit. Most of y'all, I assume, unless you got something else going on. But, but you and I can serve the Lord, can't we? We can say, God, do your work in an amazing way. We wanna trust you in a great way. So look at, if you will, Romans 16. We're gonna hit the, the ladies next week, guys this week. Women, you're gonna be able to get some things too. But verse three, here's what it says. Give my greetings to Prisca, or it may say Priscilla. Prisca is kind of the formal name and Priscilla is kind of the, the, the um, diminutive name. So it'd be like Jennifer and Jenny, if you will. Give my greetings to Prisca or Priscilla and Aquila, that's her husband, my co-workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their own necks for my life. Not only do I thank them, but so do all the Gentile churches. Greet also the church that meets in their home, and then he goes on, greet my dear friend Epinatus, who is the first convert from, uh, to Christ from Asia. Let's take Prisca and Aquila first. We're gonna see here that Prisca and Aquila, that God's gonna use them in major ways. They are mentioned numerous times throughout the scripture. You could almost call them Paul's favorite couple. He talks about them all the time. They were tent makers. Do you remember last week we talked about using your vocation as ministry? So they use their vocation of tent making to have a home or have a church in their home and that they would greet people and bring them into their house and allow them to be there for the church. They did this every place that they went. So where are some of the places they went? Well, they lived in Pontus, they lived in Rome, they lived in Corinth, they lived in Ephesus, they lived in Rome again, and then they lived back in Ephesus again. 
And in all those places, they are bringing people into their home and they're saying, we want to use our hearts for the Lord. Here's your first point, gentlemen. Be faithful to God's family and yours. Be faithful to God's family and yours. They were faithful to the family of God. They were faithful to the church. They were faithful to God using them. They're like, we're gonna do a house church. When we go to the next church, our next town, we're gonna do another church. We're gonna greet people and bring them in to the house of the Lord, not just our house. So we've got to be faithful men, and this goes for ladies as well, faithful to God's family and faithful to your family as well. In this passage of scripture, we end up, we've got the household of Aristobulus. We'll talk about him in a minute. Narcissus as well. Then we've got two other couples that are mentioned. So he's saying, I want you to be faithful to your family. Men, let me tell you what, we've gotta be faithful to our wife and our, our, wi- our, wife and our children. I almost said wives, you should just have one. Wife <laughs> and children, okay? Plural children, one wife. That's how it should be, all right? That's like, oh, really? Keep coming to church, brother. Keep coming to church. So we got to be faithful to our families, faithful to our families. Ministry starts at home, committed to his wife, committed to his wife. Be faithful in your thoughts, faithful in your actions, faithful in your attitude, faithful in your care to your wife. Now, research, let me give you this quote. Most recently, some research conducted at the Harvard School of Public Health. Does that sound like a Christian organization? The Harvard School of Public Health reveals that regularly attending churches together reduces a couple's risk of a divorce by a remarkable 47%. So it basically cuts it in half if you'll go to church together. And then other studies show that it ranges between 30 and 50%. And this goes across all different age groups, all different ethnicities, all different backgrounds. That's just going to church together. If we were to start talking about now praying together, reading the Bible together, you'd take it lower and lower and lower and lower. So men, we've got to be faithful to our home, faithful to our wives. It makes a huge difference. Do you know that there's 18.4 million kids in fatherless homes right now? 25% of American kids are in fatherless homes right now. And I could give you an encyclopedia on the statistics that can happen. They don't always have to happen, but it can happen in fatherless homes, the bad things that can happen. So dads, we have this opportunity to be faithful to our wives, faithful to our kids, love them well. Single adults, you be faithful to your family of origin. Be kind to your mom, love your dad well, be a great brother, be a great uncle, be a wonderful person in your family. That's just practice, single adults, men and women. That's practice for your own family one day if God chooses to bless you. So here we have with this first couple, be faithful to God's family. Now, look at what it says, who risked their own necks for my life. Paul's grateful for them. Not only do I thank them, so do all the Gentile churches. We're still giving thanks as a Gentile church, meaning not of Jewish um, uh, roots, to be able to give them thanks for all that they did. Now, that is a stark contrast to today's man, the way it's perceived, isn't it? There's an article written, 24 bad dads on TV. You turn on TV and you watch and most of the dads will be lazy, stupid, sex crazed, silly. But I'm telling you, a godly man, faithful to his home, faithful to his church, walking those things out. Here's what Timothy Keller says. In the ancient world, the man was a lion. He was always on conquest, always going for things. And so he had some terrible things happen and men were just really, it was too much. But then in modern man, we become a lamb. And so the 
aggressiveness of the man in the past, the fierceness has now moved to being so tame. And this is what he ends with, guys, with this quote. He says this, that it was real fierce then and now it's real timid now. And he says, and now, therefore, as men, we don't like ourselves and women don't like us either. See, there's a balance between being a fierce lion and being a meek lamb. And his name is Jesus Christ. He was the lion and the lamb. And so we follow him as men in that way, right? So men, yes, we're to be strong. Yes, we're to be, be bold. Yes, we're to be all of those things. Please be that. And yes, we're to be kind. And yes, we're to be gentle. And you bring those two things together and you end up with the strength of a godly man because he's following Jesus Christ. You be that for your family. You be that in that way. Now let's look at the next one here in verse five. Here's the next one, Epinatus. And here's what they say about him in verse five. Greet my dear friend, Epinatus, Epinatus, who is the first convert in, to Christ from Asia. So this guy is the first convert to Christ from Asia. Here's the point I wanna give you. This is for men as well as women. Be a brave believer. Be a brave believer. Can you imagine being the first convert from Asia? From this entire continent, this guy is the first person that trusts Jesus as his savior. How incredibly brave is that? I mean, it's always hard to be first. He's gonna be the first one to come to Christ. So any person that's come to Christ in Asia, and there's been millions and millions and millions and millions and millions and millions, is following after the bravery of this guy to say, I'm trusting in Jesus. Now, a little bit more bravery. Why is he, if he's from Asia, why is he in Rome? Well, possibly, we don't see it in the scripture, but possibly he was captured as the Roman Empire went out and their people, his people were captured and they were brought back to Rome. But he now is saying, I'm gonna walk with God and I'm gonna trust the Lord and I'm gonna say, I'm gonna be a brave believer. Now, here's the deal. You may be the first Christian in your family, you be brave. You may be the only Christian at your office, you be brave. You may be the only Christian in your social circle. You be brave. You take that step in your school students. We feel like you're the only one on the team that loves the Lord. You be brave and you stand strong because here's what's gotta happen. It happens to every single one of us. It's happened to me. It's gonna happen to you. At some point, if you're really gonna walk with God, you're gonna have to take a social risk. There is no way around it. And you're not gonna get beaten up for your faith. You're not gonna get in prison for your faith like these folks. But you're gonna have to take a social risk if you're really gonna walk with God. And I've taken a few social risks along the way. And I'm telling you, it's worth it every time. Students, hear me. When I became a Christian and came out of drinking and partying and all that stuff, and somebody else, come on, Greg, come on, Greg. And I said, no, Praise God, I said no, because I would not be standing here married to the woman I'm married, pastoring as I'm pastoring now. If I'd have said yes to this guy, I don't even remember his name. You take that social risk and you trust Jesus. He was the first convert in Asia. And men, can I just speak to us? Many of us, we're just bored. There's no dragon to slay. So I'm not talking about being brave because you rode a mechanical bull or you jumped out of a plane or you ski black. right? I'm talking about brave in the soul that you walk with character when no one else does. You can ride a mechanical bull all you want. You walk with character when nobody else does. That is a man. That's a godly man. 
and a godly woman. And ladies, that's what you're looking for. And men, that's who you want to be. Last week, I gave you some slides, or a slide, some phrases, three phrases. We talked about that God wants your whatever, He wants your whenever, and He wants your wherever. And I had you repeat different things, and they're, they're really, we're going to do it again. They're statements of bravery is what they are. And so as we put this up here, what we're going to do is I'm going to say the beginning of it, the whatever you want me to do, and then you're going to respond in just a minute after the comma. You're either going to say, I'm going to point at you, you're going to say, I'll do it, I'll go, I'm willing. And those are going to be statements, men and women, to say it together. Those are statements of bravery, of spiritual bravery. You ready? Here we go. Let me say it first, then you'll say after the comma. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Whenever you want to send me, I'm willing. If you really mean you'll do whatever God wants, wherever you'll go, and you'll go whenever you're willing, that is a brave believer in Jesus. Moses confronted Pharaoh with bravery. Abraham left not knowing where he was going with bravery. Daniel prayed with consequences on the line and was thrown into the lion's den with bravery. David battled Goliath with bravery. And we have to walk with the Lord and walk in bravery as well for God to do his work. And that happens if you're the best base dealer, if you're the best hitter, if you're the best pitcher. All of those things have a lot of bravery, but it's all of us walking on the team for Jesus to use us like he wants to use us. Let's look at verse seven. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews and fellow prisoners. They are noteworthy in the eyes of the apostles. And they were also in Christ before me. Be a godly example is our third ring. Our third ring is be a godly example. First is to be faithful to your family and to God's family. Second is that you'd be a brave believer. And then third is that you would be a godly example to others. Godly example to others. We need men to show an example to other men. Now, ladies, this is true for you as it is for men. We need women to teach women how to be women, right? I'm gonna do my best next week to do a great Mother's Day message. But there's only so much I can do, right? The older women have to teach the younger women, it tells us in the New Testament. And men are a part of that, for sure. We need dads. That was a point a minute ago. But to be able to have women teaching women, that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And at the same time, we need men to teach men because we need men to show what it means like, what it means to be a man. And so here Paul is saying uh, that there's a godly example that this couple was in Christ before Paul. Paul became a Christian in, in uh, Acts chapter nine. So they had to become in one through eight, somewhere along there, or maybe when Jesus was walking on the planet. But to be able to say, These, this couple here is a godly example. Now, a godly example, it says, they're fellow Jews, fellow prisoners. They suffered with Paul. And they're noteworthy in the eyes of the apostles. Even the apostles said, wow, that's so-and-so. That'd be like Billy Graham going, oh yeah, I've heard of that guy. And so it's an amazing thing. Now, they're not a part of the 12 apostles that were, we've got four different accounts that are mentioned in the scriptures uh, with that. Uh, apostle means to be sent out is what it means. So here's what Warren Wiersbe says about this. It says here, if I can find it, let me find it. 
The word apostle here does not imply that they held the same office as Paul, but they were messengers of the Lord. And so here they are sent out with the gospel and Paul is saying, I want you to greet them. They are noteworthy in the eyes of the apostles. They know them, they've seen them and they were in Christ before me. We need godly examples We have in the Bible, we have Jethro with Moses. We have Eli with Samuel. We have Jesus and the disciples. We have Paul and Timothy. Paul says in Philippians 4, 9, what you've learned and received and seen in me, go and practice those things. 1 Corinthians 11, 1, he says this, be an imitator of me as I'm an imitator of Jesus Christ. So we need mentorship. We need the presence We need the teaching, we need the leading by example. And some of you didn't grow up with a dad in the home and you need to pray that God provides for you a spiritual dad that can make a difference in your life and that you can see them as an example and to walk in that way. We need those mentors. Think about even our movies. We love mentors in movies. I mean, Rocky, Creed, right? Mentorship, Maverick, Goose, Gandalf, Frodo. Some of you are like, yeah, I remember that movie. That was a good one. (laughs) Mentorships, we need that. I've got some guys that I call, two guys in particular that I talk to once a week. I just call them, they call me, I call them, we're in the car, it's typically cell phone in the car type thing. Hey man, what's going on? I got, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? What do you, just, just help, just peers, just connecting like that. There's a guy that I met with, I ate breakfast with a, a businessman in, my, in College Station, when I was there, for 10 years, we ate breakfast once a week together for 10 years. Birth of my firstborn son, he was right there at the hospital before 20 hours, 28, 24 hours had ended. He's older than me. He's been through more than me. He's been married longer than me. His kids, older, all that. It's a mentor. And still, just a couple of weeks ago, I was going to be up there and I said, hey, man, can you grab breakfast? Sure, yeah, totally. We still keep up, still friends. It's amazing. Think about my student minister. Where would I be without the one who led me to the Lord? His name was Dennis, and he attended our Cypress campus. He's gone on to heaven now. I miss him. I miss him. Things I'd like to talk to him about still. But those mentorships, they're there. It's important. And men, we're not always that good at that. And we need that. And ladies, we need your encouragement on that and even this next point. The next point is found in verse eight. It's our fourth out of five rings. Here's our fourth out of five rings. Greet Ampliatus, my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ. And my dear friend, that's going to be our key thing, is dear friend, Stachus. And then it goes on with some other folks. Greet Apelles, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. I'm going to tell you about him. It's very interesting. Greet Herodian, my fellow Jew. Greet those who are belonging to the household of Narcissus. He really thought a lot of himself. Who uh, is in the Lord? Just kidding. But let's go back to verse eight, Ampliatus, Urbanus, and Stachus. He says, he calls them dear friends, dear friends. How do you walk as a godly man? Be a dear friend. We need dear friends as men. We need dear friends as men. Now, let me tell you something kind of interesting. Ladies, uh, there's, there's, their ladies, we'll look at them next week, but they're called hard workers. You know that there's never a man called a hard worker in this scripture. Before you get too excited. There's not a lady that's called a dear friend or beloved. So does it mean the men weren't hard workers? Does it mean the women weren't loved? Not at all. It just means these are the qualities he's bringing out to be able to celebrate. And so he calls them dear friends. 
And here's what's amazing about this. Paul is a Pharisee back when he was studying. He's a Christian now, but a very learned man, very important man. These three names are names of slaves. These are slave names. And they're listed right there in the roster of all these important people. It wasn't the star pitcher. It wasn't the star hitter. It wasn't the star base dealer. It was the slaves. And Paul says, you guys are with me. We're dear friends. Let me tell you, that's the body of Christ, isn't it? That to be able to say, come on, socioeconomic class vocation does not matter. We are one in Jesus and you are dear friends. And you're going to be right next to a guy named Aristobulus, who I'll tell you in a minute was a big wig. It's where we get the word aristocrat, Aristobulus. They're right next to him. Now in this, these slaves, it's an amazing thing. They're dear friends. 50% of American adults report feeling lonely. 20% of men say that they have zero close friends. Loneliness is as bad as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And conversely, having a good circle of friends shows to increase life expectancy, improve mental, mental health, and lower inflammation actually in our bodies. Friendships are important. I couldn't have planned it this good. Only God could do this. This week, this week, the Surgeon General sent out a tweet. Here's what the Surgeon General's tweet was. Today, I release the Surgeon General's advisory on the epidemic of loneliness and isolation facing our country. The destructive impacts it has on our collective health and our extraordinary healing power of our, and the extraordinary healing power of our relationships. Don't you love it when the government catches up with God? What's he saying? You need a church is what he's saying. You need friendships. You need dear friends. The same thing Paul's saying here in like, you know, 50s AD, the Surgeon General is releasing a report that we have epidemic aspects of loneliness. We got a thousand friends on Facebook, but we don't know who to call when we're hurting. And I'm on Facebook and I'm on Instagram and I'm on Twitter and I'm for all those things. I hope you follow me. But it doesn't make a real friendship. And these dear friends, Paul says, I need them. Guys, don't let your pride, don't let your self-sufficiency, don't let your busyness, don't let your lack of skill in making friends, don't let social media, don't let isolation, don't let any of those things keep you from friendship. You and I need friendship. And ladies, we need your encouragement for us to have men as friends and to be with them. We need that just as you need that, ladies. You need that with your, your girlfriends as well. We need that with our guy friends. Let me give you three quick things on how to make friends as a guy. Number one, take the initiative. Be purposeful, make yourself available, make time for it. So take the initiative. Number two, share. Share experiences, share interests, share desi desires, share dreams. Do fun stuff together. Ladies, y'all like to get together, kind of knee to knee and talk. Guys, we like shoulder to shoulder. So we wanna go do something together. We don't really wanna look at each other, we just wanna participate in something together, right? And so that's good, that's fine, that's how we do it. Guys are different than girls, that's no problem. So cultivate those meaningful relationships. Sometime this week, guys, call somebody up you hadn't talked to in a while and say, man, what in the world are you doing? And you will have a special, wonderful moment. We'd love to help you as a church. We've got men's ministry stuff at all campuses, Bible studies. We can help you with mentorship, all sorts of activities. Just, you can go right out in the lobby at the Loop campus and other campuses as well and be able to talk to somebody about the men's ministry. It is so important. That's thunder and that's God saying that's a good point, Greg, is what it's saying, okay? <laughs> So it's storming, so just let the rain pass. Here we go. 
We need those friendships. We need those friendships. I went out to lunch and coffee with a friend that I've known for, I bet, 25 or 30 years now. We ate lunch, said, hey, you want to go get coffee? And we went and got coffee and walked out with the coffee on a beautiful day to sit outside. And I just said to him, I said, this is special. You savor the special moments you get with people. Are you, I got to go, I got to go, I got to go. It's special, special. Savor those moments. Be a dear friend, ladies as well, a dear friend. And let me tell you just some interesting things. Aristobulus, who is that guy? Well, that guy is a very interesting person. Aristobulus was a guy that was a very common name, but they think that he might have been the grandson of Herod the Great. Might have been the grandson of Herod the Great. What an amazing thing that is. You remember Herod the Great? He's a bad dude. Herod the Great was the one that he said with the wise men, he said, the Savior's going to be born. We need to kill all the kids under two years old. That could have been this guy's grandfather. His brother, they think, might have been, we don't know for sure, might have been Agrippa I. Agrippa I was the guy in Acts chapter 12 that stood up and gave a speech, and they said, it's a God. And he said, you're right. And he was eaten by worms and died. I've been to the place in Caesarea Philippi where that happened, Caesarea Maritime, actually, where it happened, to be able to see that that could have been this guy's brother. Do you hear the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that Aristobulus could be mentioned in this? His dad killed all those kids, possibly, or his granddad, I mean, and his brother did all this to the church. What in the world? The grace, the grace of Jesus Christ. Ampliatus, they think that he was possibly one of the emperor's slaves in the emperor's household because there's a catacombs outside of Rome called uh, Domitilia. And I've actually been there. I didn't see this, but there's, there's one of his name. And, and it's got Ampliatus. It's got all this stuff that's very ornate. And it could have been that he was one of the emperor's household. How incredible is that? Rufus, we didn't even talk about, Rufus, they think, he's a different person in this in verse 13. They think he was the son of Simon of Cyrene that carried the cross. And when Jesus fell and they said, you carry up the cross and pick it up, they think that might've been this guy's Rufus's dad. If you look in Mark chapter 15, verse 21, you'll see that Simon of Cyrene, uh, Cyrene's son was Rufus. These are some very interesting characters in here. And he says, I want you to be a dear friend. All right, let's jump to the last one that we have here to be a dear friend. What's number five? What's our fifth ring that we have here? Our fifth ring, we understand friendship is necessary. We've seen it in Happy Days. We've seen it in Seinfeld. We've seen it in Friends. We've seen it in Outer Banks. We see friendships are important even in our own culture. Yes, I know what all those are. Now, verse 16. Here we go. Verse 16, our last one. Hang with me. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send you greetings. Here's your last one about being a godly man. Show kind affection and responsible leadership. A godly man, a lion and a lamb, fierce and strong, but kind and soft. That godly man shows kind affection, greet each other with a holy kiss and responsible leadership. All the churches, Paul was in charge, I'll show you in a minute, in charge of a lot of responsibility with these churches. First thing he says is, Greet each other with a holy kiss. Now, let me just tell you right now. Let's go with a holy handshake in our culture, okay? Good Christian side hug. If you come up to me and kiss me, okay? I don't want you to kiss me with a holy kiss today, all right? If you're a guy and you come kiss me, my security team's taking you out, okay? That's what's happening. <laughs> if you're a girl and you come and kiss me, my wife is taking you out, all right? <laughs> so you just pick your poison. 
But there's affection. And men, we're not always good at this. There's affection that is shown in our words, in our touch, in our heart. There's a kindness and there's an affection with that. And that is godly and masculine. But it's not the only thing. There's also then that he was responsible in his leadership. I remember talking about the affection, my grandmother coming to church one day and she said, Greg, I can't believe the love in this place. I see grown men hugging each other. I said, yes, it's the body of Christ. We do love each other. Even man to man, we care for one another. But there's responsible leadership as well. You know, Paul was an amazing leader. Second Corinthians chapter two Verse uh, 21 and following, listen to this, talking about his leadership in the church. He says, whoever dares to boast, I can start talking foolishly too. I also dare to boast. Are there Hebrews? So am I. Are there Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm talking like a madman, but I'm a better servant of Christ. With far more labors, with far more imprisonments, far more beatings, many times near death, Five times I received 40 lashes, which should kill you, minus one. He got 39. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was received a stoning. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a day and a night in the open sea. Do you hear bravery? On frequent journeys, I faced dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, from the Gentiles, from the city, in the wilderness, at the sea, and dangers among false brothers. I've toiled in hardships with many sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, often without food, cold and without clothing. Now listen to verse 28. Not to mention the other things, meaning... That, that isn't even the hard stuff. There is a daily pressure on me for my concern for all the churches. <sighs> Men, your job, your schooling, whatever stage you're at, your family, your singlehood, it's a weight. It's hard to be a guy. It's hard to be a girl. But there's a weight that's there of that responsibility. And I tell you this, you trust Jesus Christ. All who are weary and heavy laden, come to me for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am humble and gentle of heart. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. That weight that you feel, I feel it too. And Paul says, I feel it. And all the churches greet you. It says all the churches of Christ greet you. And so in this, we put that weight on Jesus and we say, we want to walk as godly men. And so I tell you this, you may never step to the plate of a major league ball game. You may never wear the rings of the World Series. You may never be a name that anybody knows, but I'm telling you this, God's got a plan for you. And I know these guys and they're godly good men. And they to the man would tell you, this ring is nothing compared to hearing Jesus say, well done, my good and faithful servant. That lasts forever, forever. And they got more awards than we could probably fit on the stage just between these three guys. But they tell you, Jesus makes a difference. And you and I, we may be the groundskeeper. We may be the ticket taker. We may be the front office, all very, very important people, just not as well known. And I'm telling you this, you and I, men, women, let's walk with God 
Let's walk with Jesus. Let's be faithful to our families. Let's be brave in what we do. Let's be a dear friend. Let's be an example. Let's have affection and let's have leadership. Let's be men that walk as a lion-hearted but lamb-like in our kindness as we seek to be like Jesus. Anything else is fake jewelry and not worth as much. Not worth anything, really. It's nice. It's fun. But it's fleeting even more. Guys, last thing. You walk with God. You walk with God. We need godly men in our culture. Ladies, you walk with God. We need godly women in our culture. And let's live these things out. Father, we come in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. Such diversity in this list. And we'll talk about more next week and the week after that. But we come in Jesus' name and we tell you, Lord, we love you. We thank you. And we ask, God, that we would be godly men. Would you raise up godly men in our church, all campuses, Father, in our city, lion-hearted, brave, lamb-like, kind, looking like Jesus, men. Men, would you pray that you're this kind of guy? Ladies, if you got a special someone, man, in your life, maybe it's a husband, maybe it's your dad, maybe it's a brother, maybe it's a boyfriend, maybe whatever, you pray for him, that he'd be that kind of man. That's not a threat to you, it's a blessing to you. Students, you pray. Young singles, you pray. Father, we won't have World Series rings on our hands, but we can't have jewels on our crown. And we come in Jesus' name. We first of all need to know you as Savior and then walk with you as Lord. Do your work, God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church. We invite you to worship with us at one of our four locations at The Loop, Cypress, Downtown, or Siena. Follow us on social media or visit us online at houstonsfirst.org.